nice to see you all. I love, I love being here on Zoom with you all. It's, it's great to be face to face. So this week I want to be, I want to speak about experiencing God's inner healing. So this week I'm going to be speaking about that. And next week I'm hoping to talk about physical healing. Uh, as we know, healing takes many different forms. So, so this week we're going to be speaking about inner healing. So as we go, as I speak this message, uh, we're, we're going to have a Q&A at the end of the lesson. And the Q&A will be with Nick. So if you have any questions throughout the, le throughout the lesson, feel free to message Nick. Uh, you don't have to wait till the end, till the Q&A, to send your questions. Um, as, as I'm speaking, feel free to just, in the, in the chat, just send a message to Nick and ask him your question. It could be about mental health, could be about uh, emotional struggles, uh, anything like that. So I'm, I'm just letting you know that beforehand. Uh, but at the end, we will open it up too for, for some more questions. So healing, when, when we look at the scriptures, we see that God desires to bring about many different kinds of healing. As we read through the scriptures, we see, we see spiritual healing. And what this really is, is, is uh, forgiveness of our sin through Christ's sacrifice. Um, so, so when we experience spiritual healing, uh, we're restored to a right relationship with God through Christ. Uh, when we trust him, when we believe in, in Jesus, God gives us his spirit and leads us and guide, guides us. So that's a, huge, that's a huge form of healing that takes place in the scriptures. And today, I'm, yeah. Uh, the second thing we see often in the scriptures is physical healing. Uh, much of Jesus's ministry and, and his disciples' ministry was highlighted by, by healing physical things. Uh, people who who were lame uh, were able to walk, or, or uh, people who were blind, uh, Jesus healed them. So physical healing is another kind of healing we often see in the scriptures. Uh, we, see, we also see a lot of uh, dialogue about relational healing. Um, Jesus really cares about our relationships and that, and that we have healthy relationships, especially as a church. Um, and then another one we see is, it's kind of more hidden, is systemic healing. The restoration or healing of our systems. Um, if you know your Old Testament, uh, the year of Jubilee is kind of this, this restoration of, of a system. Um, every, every 49 years, uh, there was forgiveness of debts. There was uh, land was distributed back to its original owners. It was kind of a reset of the system just to bring about healing to the system. And then the last one we see is emotional healing. And this is what I'm going to be speaking about today. So you can be a generally healthy Christian. You can, you can be physically healthy. You can be in a spiritually good place with God. And you can still have a need for emotional healing. So I want you to pause right now. And just I just want you to think about our context right now and our world right now. We've been in a, a period of social isolation for many months. Uh, there's many people right now who are feel, feeling isolated. A lot of people with mental health issues that are, are skyrocketing right now. Uh, maybe, men, maybe some of you have experienced these things as well. I read a stat uh, recently that said, since the COVID-19 outbreak, the levels of very high anxiety have quadrupled from 5% to 20%, while the levels of high depression have doubled from 4% to 10%. And that's from the Mental Health Research Canada. Uh, so, so obviously, COVID has, has sparked a lot of mental health issues in our culture. And 
it, you don't have to read the stats to kind of see this. If you, if you kind of flip on the news or you go on Facebook, there just always seems to be this constant stream of anger and hostility. There's, there's really a lot of brokenness and sadness in our culture. And I'm not trying to be negative right now, but I, but I think it's pretty clear that our world is tired, our world is broken, and, and people are just hurting right now. So in the midst of all this emotional heaviness, how can we as a church respond? How can we be a place of healing for those who are experiencing uh, emotional pain or mental health struggles? So today, today I really just want to open up this subject. I, I just want to open up this topic. Don't consider me an expert on the subject or, or don't even consider me providing you with a lot of answers. I, I'm really just hoping to start an ongoing dialogue that we can continue past today about mental health and emotional struggle. So let's begin by uh, turning to John 4, 4 to 26. Uh, this is the story of the woman at the well. You may be familiar with it. So here it says, now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Wow, what a, what a powerful story. There's a reason why this story is, is well known in the church. Jesus seems to purposefully stay at this well to encounter this this seemingly random woman who seems to ha actually have a lot of issues going on in her life. I can imagine the disciples coming back and saying, 
Lord, what are you doing talking to this? It's a woman and it's a Samaritan. Why, why are you talking to this woman? We, there's so many more important people we could visit. We could go visit people with political power or, or social status. Uh, imagine how much the kingdom would spread if we, we showed some miraculous things to the governor or, or someone in power. But Jesus chooses to stay at this well and to draw close to this broken Samaritan woman uh, to, to actually reveal to her that he's the Messiah. This is a very significant thing. He hasn't said this to anyone else. So what, is this, what does this story tell us about Jesus and emotional healing? Uh, the story doesn't really go forth and say that the woman was healed emotionally. It doesn't actually speak a lot about the emotions. Um, or that it doesn't say that all her relationships were restored after she encountered Jesus. But it does offer us a few insights into the heart and to the, into the approach of Christ. So one thing I notice is that Jesus didn't treat this woman as a problem to be fixed, but he treated her as a woman to be loved. He really treated her with dignity and respect. Uh, women back in that day, and especially Samaritan women to Jews, uh, people didn't even associate with Samaritans, and men were not really supposed to uh, associate with women. And, but Jesus shows this woman real dignity and respect just by encountering her and talking to her. And notice that Jesus doesn't just go out and point out her sin and say, uh, well, obviously you're with someone you shouldn't be and you should repent and, and trust in me to receive forgiveness. His, his approach, he doesn't approach it like that. He, he does point out her broken relationships, but not because he wanted to judge her for it, but, but actually to reveal to her that he was the Messiah. So it's so clear in this moment that he's approaching this woman with love and with respect as, as someone who's worthy of the kingdom of God. So I think this shows us that as a church, when we encounter someone who's struggling or, or maybe someone who doesn't even really fit in our theological box, uh, that we should see them through the eye, eyes of Christ's love. We, we should see that they're not problems to be fixed, but they're people to be loved. And when we start, that's, the, that's the, an important posture to start from. When we start from this posture, uh, we can trust that God will lead the person into healing. And the next thing I notice, uh, not just in this story, but in, in uh, much of the other parts of the Gospels, is that God intentionally draws near to the brokenhearted. God always has a heart for the brokenhearted. Of all the Samaritans, Jesus intentionally met and engaged with this broken-hearted woman. And, and yeah, we see this all throughout his ministry. He, he seems to draw near to people who don't always have it all together. Uh, we also see this in the story of the woman, woman who's caught in adultery. Uh, if you remember the story, the, woman all or the men all gathered around this woman and said, uh, Jesus, the law says we should stone this woman because she committed adultery. What do you think? And Jesus had mercy on this woman. He loved her cared for her because he knew she was broken. So he, Jesus always seems to have a heart for the broken. He always seems to draw near to them. So I want to ask, are we as a church drawing near to those who are broken? Are you drawing near to those who are broken? Are we spending time with people who don't have it all together? Maybe we don't have it all together. <laughs> but it's important that we have that heart, the same heart that Jesus has. And the next thing I notice is that Jesus never really seems to follow a formula when he's encountering people. 
He always follows God's lead. So he always brings the gospel and the kingdom in unique ways that cater to the emotional needs of a person, of the person he's ministering to. So uh, in this story, he was really gracious with the woman because that's what she needed. Uh, to the woman caught in adultery, he was also gracious and had mercy on her. Uh, if you remember the story of the rich man, uh, Jesus asked him to give away all his possessions because he saw that this man was emotionally attached to them. And then we see Jesus encountering the Pharisees and Jesus is much more harsh and direct with them. So the way he approaches people uh, is different depending on their emotional needs. But we see that in all of them, he's, he's led by the father. If you remember, Jesus said, I only see what I, I only do what I see the father doing. So I think this is important for us uh, to always be led by God's spirit and, and to not always have a one size fits all explanation of, of um, if someone comes to us with an emotional need or, or a mental health issue, because uh, emotions can have a lot of different root causes. So let's just take an example. Let's, let's just uh, use an example to kind of illustrate this. So say, for example, someone comes to Trinity one Sunday, and as we get to know them, we realize that this person is very angry. They always seem to be getting angry about everything. Uh, they have this quickness to anger. So oftentimes as Christians, we'll say, well, uh, the scripture says it's important to be slow to anger. So obviously this person maybe has a hard heart towards God, or, or they're being openly, willfully rebellious against God. Uh, that's, I think, my natural reaction is, is to point out sin, and to, to jump to sin uh, first. But I think we really have to be careful in, in the way that we understand these emotional issues, because uh, sin is not always the sign of a hard heart towards God. People can actually sin in ways that they don't actually want to. This is a much bigger discussion, but, but it's clear that a lot of people really don't want to sin and they still find themselves stuck in patterns of sin or sinful emotions. So it could be willful rebellion against God, but it also could be a number of other things. This person could be angry because they have a lot of past emotional trauma or, or baggage. Maybe this person grew up in a household where they had a father who was very quick to anger and they, they learned from his example. I remember there was someone I knew pretty well and, and he was just such a hard person to get along with. He was always very oppositional, always very angry about everything. And then I remember one moment when we were together with a few people, he just broke down and started crying in front of us. And he just started sharing about it, a little bit about his past and how he, he had been so hurt. And I just remember thinking, wow, all these moments when I've been frustrated with this guy and it all kind of makes sense. It, it all makes sense. This guy has obviously had a horrible history and has just learned uh, that anger is the appropriate response. So it could be, uh, this anger could be an emotional issue. It could be a, a past from a past trauma. Uh, the, is, the issue could also be physical. Um, this person could have been in an accident and had a traumatic brain injury and their ability to regulate their emotions is compromised. Um, that's that's one of the, one of the uh, symptoms of having a traumatic brain injury is that People aren't really able to regulate their emotions very well. So it could be a physical thing. And the issue could also be spiritual. Uh, it's possible the person could have demonic oppression or possession, uh, which is leading them to act in this, this extreme anger and hostility. 
So, so as you can see, there, there, there can be so many different roots of, of one specific emotion. So we really have to be careful that we don't just uh, always label emotions with one category and that, that we're careful to follow God's lead. We really have to be sensitive and listening for what God is saying about a person's emotional needs. And the last thing is that Jesus offers hope and he offers healing. So this story doesn't go on to explain what happened in this woman's life after she encountered Jesus. It doesn't say that she was cleansed from all of her hurt and all of her pain from her past relationships. Uh, she likely carried some of this baggage along with her, but, but she experienced Christ and it's very clear that her life was transformed. He gave her hope and he directed her on the path towards healing and towards truth. Uh, I was reading a book about uh, mental health in the church and uh, the author Matthew Stanford says, hope is the fuel that drives the engine of mental health recovery. Hope is the fuel that drives the engine of mental health recovery. Jesus gives us hope that when we're suffering, we aren't alone. Uh, he doesn't promise us that our life will be free from suffering. Uh, Jesus himself suffered, um, but rather that our suffering is not in vain. And as we journey with him and with others, uh, his Holy Spirit can really bring about great emotional healing in our life. And I said that in a pretty general way because this healing can, can take shape in many different ways. I don't think we should always expect this kind of emotional healing to happen instantly, um, like we do sometimes when we pray for physical healing. Sometimes it's a little bit more of a process. Um, sometimes it does happen quickly. I'm not denying that. But sometimes it's more of a journey where, where people may sit in the depths of emotional suffering for a long period of time. And even people who are close to God can still experience this deep emotional suffering. And this doesn't mean that God is distant. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. Um, if you remember what I said earlier, God draws near to the, the brokenhearted. He cares deeply about the brokenhearted. So, Sometimes when the road to emotional healing is longer, sometimes when it takes a, a bit of a longer time for people to heal emotionally, uh, sometimes God uses this experience to form a really deep, a really rich faith and perseverance within a person. So when the, when the road is often longer, sometimes God uses this in really powerful ways to shape this person in a powerful, uh, deep faith. And I think this is why James says, the testing of our faith develops perseverance. God uses suffering for redemptive purposes. So it's really important for us to realize that emotional suffering is not a sign of distance from God. If you just take a look throughout all the scriptures, there's, there's so many biblical characters who suffered emotionally. Um, just read some of the Psalms. Some of the Psalms are very powerful moments where, where David is just saying, Lord, I don't understand what's happening. Why am I suffering like this? Where are you right now? What's going on? Um, or Job or Jonah or, or Ezekiel. Um, even Paul speaks about this thorn that he has in his flesh that God didn't take away. Um, all of these biblical characters were very close to God and they all experienced really significant, heavy moments of suffering. So what Jesus offers us today is hope. He gives us his spirit to grow us and to heal us 
And he also offers us his church as his body so we can, we can bear each other's burdens and, and we can really love each other through our struggles. So I want to open it up right now and I want to ask, uh, we don't have a ton of time, but if anyone would like to share a short story of, of how God has healed them emotionally or someone who they've healed emotionally, would anyone be wanting to share of, of that journey? That's something you've experienced. All right. Yeah, thank you everyone for sharing. It's it's not easy to share those kind of stories, uh, but but it is it does show that that we are not immune from suffering as Christians. We we can suffer emotionally. Um. So so and yeah, I I was looking up a little bit about um, some some statistics about mental health in our our culture right now. Um, this was before COVID, but, but this stat that I found said one in five people in Canada will personally experience a mental health problem or illness. Um, young people aged 15 to 24 are more likely to experience mental illness and or substance use disorders than any other age group. So it's really a lot of young people are really suffering from mental health issues. And then the one I read earlier that said since COVID started, uh, very high anxiety has quadrupled and high levels of depression have doubled. So, so this seems like mental health is, is, it's getting worse in our culture. It's getting heavier for people in our culture. And there's a number of reasons why uh, I'm not an expert on this, so I don't know exactly why, but, but there's a number of things that contribute to this. So I think this is a really important conversation for us to have as a church um, because there's people in our doors who are suffering from mental health issues. Um, many people who, who are in the church feel isolated, uh, maybe feel sinful or feel distant from God because of these things. And I think we really have to be careful that our church culture and that our teachings don't reinforce those feelings. God longs to bring emotional healing for people. And in order to be a church of healing, we really have to pay attention to how Jesus engaged with those who are broken. So how do we become a church that's a safe place for emotional healing? I'm not gonna provide a clinical answer here, obviously, but more of a general answer as to how, how can we as a church create a safe culture for healing? In his book, Grace for the Afflicted, uh, Matthew Stanford suggests that the church actually has a number of things that the mental health care system presently lacks. So the church actually has a few things that they can contribute to, to culture. Uh, and he says these four things are, the church has a hope that transcends circumstances. It has a holistic view of humans. Uh, it doesn't just view humans as biochemical machines, but as, as uh, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, the church is very accessible, whereas a lot of mental health resources are, are difficult sometimes to, to access. And the church is a supportive community, uh, which is very significant for mental health healing, uh, to be being a part of a community. So, so what are the few? What are some of the few things we can do as Trinity to create this culture for those struggling? Uh, the first thing, as I was saying before, is to follow Jesus's lead. Learn from the ways that he engaged with people who who suffered. The second thing is love. Love is the pillar of our faith, love of God and love of our neighbor. 
being in stable, loving relationships is a, such an important part of um, for a person's mental well-being. Um, this doesn't this doesn't just mean saying hi to a person every once in a while. This this really means becoming a family, a family where we really care about each other and, and support each other. And we have to get our definition of love from the Bible. A lot of people mean different things when they say love, but but we have to be uh, patient with each other. We have to be kind. We shouldn't envy. We shouldn't boast. Um, you know the list. We shouldn't dishonor each other. We shouldn't be self-seeking. Uh, we shouldn't be easily angered. All of those things are, are the definition of love, the ways that we should engage with each other. And another thing we can do is to love our families. I remember hearing a really good quote uh, by Mother Teresa, and it said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I thought, isn't that so true? Um, there's so many issues that stem from, from broken family relationships. So loving our family is, is a perfect place to, to change the world. And the next thing we can do is to be obedient to Christ's commands. And this is difficult at times. We all know this is hard at times. Um, but when we look at Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, uh, it's actually a pretty short sermon. And but Jesus really zeroes in on a lot of the significant emotional struggles that humans have encountered all throughout history. So he deals with anger, he deals with lust, he deals with the breakdown of the family, uh, with revenge, with pride. He, he really pinpoints all of the significant human struggles, emotional struggles that, uh, that often lead to trauma. A lot of times people experience trauma because uh, someone has these uh, these struggles and they are out of control so so we really we really have to daily submit to the spirit and and allow God to transform us and we have to be gracious with each other because it's very hard to 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 live according to the standards that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount um, as we've talked about it's it's very hard so we really have to have to be patient with each other, forgive each other, but also call ourselves to this high standard. And uh, the other thing we can do is prayer. Trinity is a house of prayer. Uh, we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that God hears us when we call out to him. So our lives really must be rooted in prayer, not just to send our requests to God, but to, to listen for what he says to us and how we can respond to each other. So there's much more to be said about all of this. There's so many things that could be said, um, but I really just wanted to open up the discussion together. And I hope that this can be an ongoing discussion for us going forward. Uh, 